Charlotte. And I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum. Honestly, my voice sounded really happy there. And to be honest, we need to take a moment to prepare ourselves because it's not a happy episode. Before we get any further into this one, we want to just say this is some of the most legitimately gruesome subject matter that we have ever covered. Last week, we introduced you all to Issei Sagawa, an intelligent young man who appeared to have a very bright future ahead of him. On the outside, he was shy and a little strange. Overall, he didn't seem like a threat to anyone. None of that mattered, though, because on the inside, all he could think about was the thought of killing one of his female classmates and feasting on her flesh. Today we are picking up right where we left off, with Issei Sagawa meeting the woman that would ultimately become his victim and the person he would carry out his darkest desires on. Just a heads up, we mentioned the crime scene photos briefly last week, but I just want to talk about them one more time. I I don't suggest looking them up. I saw them without any warning in the Vice interview, and they are legitimately jarring. Yeah, I also saw them purely by accident when I was doing some research for some other case photos, and they are very off-putting for sure. I do not recommend going looking for them, honestly. They erase any doubt that this man is evil because seeing what he did and then knowing that he essentially died living a free and comfortable life actually makes me legitimately sick. That's the biggest injustice of all of this is, well, you know, we'll get to it, but there was very little consequence for this absolute monster. We last left off with Issei Sagawa living in France while he attended university at the Sorbonne. He spent his days studying and going to class, and during the evenings, he would pay sex workers to come home with him and have sex. And this was almost every single night, too. And every time he wanted to kill them, he just couldn't go through with it. That's something that's really messed up to me about him. He desperately wanted to kill. Like, it was his life goal. He's this quiet and small little smart man like we mentioned last week he came across very well spoken and cultured and then on top of that he also just really wants to eat someone's thigh i'm not sure where all this violence comes from with him like you say if he wanted to kill so badly what was stopping him why did it have to be just so perfect in his eyes it's bizarre One of his quotes is, I was determined to eat someone before I was too old, before my passion died out. Like, he talks about cannibalism like it's skydiving or something. Like, it's some checkmark on his bucket list that he wanted to accomplish before he got too old. That's exactly the kind of attitude I have about wanting to get my motorcycle license, is that I hope I can get it before I'm too old to know better. Or, like, you know, once I get too old, I will know better kind of thing. And it's like, oh my god, you're saying this about defiling someone's corpse for god's sakes the scary thing is to him that's all this is it's a bucket list item it's like a life goal the the biggest thing he's ever wanted he's honestly just a real life villain and dear listeners you're about to find out exactly why like we mentioned last week rene hartevelt was a dutch student who was studying in paris the moment Issei saw her he became obsessed He couldn't stop thinking about her. To him, she was literal perfection. He was beautiful and statuesque like the women he had admired in his favorite paintings. He wanted her more than he had wanted anyone else. This was his perfect victim. It all began with a chance encounter on the train. 
One afternoon, the two found themselves traveling home on the same train car. He saw her sitting and was happy when she looked up and smiled at him. She had recognized him from a literature class that they had together. And we'll clarify that this was a polite like, oh, hey, I know you, you know, kind of smile. Not an invitation or anything more than that. But he took it as an opportunity to finally talk to the woman that he couldn't get out of his head. He sat down next to her and struck up a conversation about the class that they were both taking. The train ride didn't go any further than that, but it was a big deal for him. He had finally talked to her and she knew who he was. By the time their next class rolled around, he was ready to talk to her again. That evening, he went out to a group dinner with a bunch of his classmates. Normally, he wouldn't go out to an event like this, but he knew Renee would be there, so he tagged along. He did his best to blend in. The other students were very interested in Japanese culture, and he seemed to enjoy speaking with them about it. It seems like he actually wanted to be a part of this little crew, even though he couldn't have been more different than them. And when we say that, we mean that he was hopefully the only one who was thinking about eating human meat during the entire meal. In an attempt to win over his classmates, he decided to invite the group over for some home-cooked sukiyaki. On the evening in question, only one person showed up, Renee. The two chatted about life, love, and their studies. However, he knew he couldn't kill her that night. He had never, in his wildest dreams, expected her to show up at his house alone. Because he hadn't prepared for this, he decided to hold off on killing her, but he was determined to get her alone again soon. During that night, she mentioned two things that stood out. One, she was fluent in multiple languages, and two, she was short on cash. With that, he offered to pay her to help him with his German. He was basically like, I have all of this romantic German poetry I can't read. Please teach me the language so I can truly understand it. That's the cheesiest kind of, I don't want to say pickup line, but like, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Get over yourself, dude. He didn't know how to speak to women very clearly. And it's almost like he's like over the top, like trying to be like this suave, smart, wise man. But really, he's just like, hey, teach me German poetry. Yeah, it's giving milady. <laughs> oh, my God. That's exactly what I thought when I was reading about that. That's seriously exactly what I pictured. And you're so right. I could see oh, him wearing a little fedora. Awful. It's creepy. I'm sorry. He also told her that a teacher of his needed some German poetry recorded and that he needed her help. Oh, a likely story. Honestly, it's hard to not see like why he's so often compared to Hannibal Lecter. Mm -hmm. And I am going to gross all of you out even further. I had to hear this, so all of you have to hear this. Oh, no. In one interview, he said that when she left his house for the first time, he went over to where she was sitting and he spent a ton of time just sniffing and licking the area while he, thought, while he was thinking about what her flesh would taste like. Oh my god. No, I, I can't with this shit, Dina. No, no, and we no. haven't even gotten into, like, the stuff. Oh god, this is giving me the heebie-jeebies, like, ugh. The amount of times while reading about him that I had to just straight up stop and go play Stardew Valley. That's honestly the best kind of brain bleach for this. <laughs> I will be going to play something joyful after also. And dear listener, if you are listening, well, obviously you're listening, you're a listener, silly. <laughs> Go play something nice after this to bring your heart rate back down to a reasonable level. <laughs> <laughs>
She arrived at Issei's home a few nights later, and like he had so many times before, Issei had put himself into a situation where a woman was alone with him, but he just couldn't do what he needed to do. Apparently, she came over a few more times before that fateful night. By that point, there was already somewhat of a friendship between the two. On June 11th, 1981, he finally gathered the courage to act out his darkest desires. Rene came to his apartment once again under the pretense of tutoring him. He would later say that he told her that he was in love with her. She rejected him, saying that she liked him, but only as a friend. He told her it was okay, he shrugged, and asked her to read him a German passage that he enjoyed while he recorded her. While she did that, he quietly took out his twenty-two caliber rifle and approached Rene, who was sitting at his desk, facing away from him. He raised the rifle and shot her in the back of the neck. She died instantly and fell out of the chair. In some of his recollections of that evening, he says that he fainted when he saw all of the blood. However, it's very likely that he said this to not seem like the bloodthirsty monster that he actually was. He tried to clean the blood up, but quickly realized that it was too hard. He then attempted to move the body. However, he found it difficult due to the fact that Renee was over a foot taller than him and he was just not strong enough to move her. So he decided that she was fine where she was. It was finally time for him to do what he had always dreamed of. And from here on out, he is in full-blown monster mode. In my opinion, this is the kind of thing that just gets your human card revoked. Yep, yep. You you lose all the rights to humanity when you do what he's about to do. You know, the messed up thing is, in his mind, he wasn't part of our planet slash dimension anyways, so clearly he wasn't too concerned with <sighs> humanity. And friends, this next part was just straight up difficult to write. I will be completely honest with all of you. We are going to take this in a, like, we're taking a factual approach to all of this. We did our best to stay respectful to the victim here. This, this is some rough stuff. He began to remove her clothes, which was a struggle for him, and it took some time. He attempted to bite through one of her butt cheeks, but was unable to sever the flesh with his teeth. He found an eight-inch carving knife and began to cut her breasts off her body as well as the tip of her nose. He ate both. He would later say that it melted in his mouth the same way raw sushi did at a restaurant. He said in the Vice interview that he specifically wanted to eat her right butt cheek. The reason being is because that one was further away from her heart, and as it turns out, he was afraid of blood. If that isn't terrible enough on its own, he's also incredibly aroused during this time. This is his deepest, darkest sexual fantasy. He has dreamt of this moment for the majority of his life, and in a later interview, he would say... The moment I saw the meat, I tore a chunk off with my fingers and threw it into my mouth. It was truly a historical moment for me. Good God. He quickly realized that a carving knife would not be enough to do what he needed. He found an electric one and began to work away at the corpse. He cut off strips of her flesh, which he set aside for later. He continued to eat pieces of her during that entire time. He fried pieces of her flesh with mustard and ate them, and the entire time, he used her underwear as a napkin. When he was finished, he took photos of her corpse, or at least what was left of it. 
He then had sex with the body. He would later say that he felt as if he heard her breathing while doing this, and he told her over and over during that time that he loved her. Then he went to sleep, happier than he had ever felt before in his life. When he woke up the following morning, he was thrilled when he realized that the body had not really started to decompose and that there was virtually no smell. He chewed on her arm and consumed pieces of it. He would later say that it shocked him when he found out how good it tasted. He also said that he attempted to cut out her anus and eat it, but was unable to because of the taste. He fried it up, but still did not consume it. However, he did clarify that it was not because he didn't want to. By the time he was finished with all of this, flies had begun to gather around the body, and with that, his fantasy was over. He cut her body into pieces with a hatchet and put it into large suitcases that he had set aside for this moment. He would describe this in later interviews by saying that he chopped one of her hands off with a hatchet and used it to pleasure himself, all while chewing on another piece of what was left of her nose. He cut her lips off and set them aside. He then ate her tongue and cut out her eyes. He cut open her body and exposed her intestines and then removed her head. I have to chime in here for a second and say I hate every minute of this. It's like he's obviously completely lost all humanity. It's like he doesn't realize that this was a person, even though it's something that he's coveted for a very long time. Because it's like he's just trying to do the absolute most disgusting things he can possibly think of. It's vile. It's as if in his mind, he's like, hey, I might only get one chance at this. I am going to make it everything I have ever wanted it to be. I, th I think that's exactly what this is. The whole time we were reading what he did to fucking poor Renee, I'm like, what is his exit plan here? And obviously we find this out. Dude, you can't do that to someone and not have people find out. Oh, exactly. And he completely expected to get caught. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I mean, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. At this point, there there's no rhyme or reason behind anything he's doing. He has gone into full-blown berserker mode at this point. Yeah, absolutely. At around midnight, he called a cab and took it to a nearby park. He brought with him the suitcases that contained what was left of Renee Hartevelt. When he arrived, he attempted to pull the suitcases to a nearby pond where he had intended to dispose of them. A four-foot-nine man struggling to pull two suitcases through a park definitely attracted the attention of a few people. It was late, but the spot he chose was a pretty popular hangout for people in the area. When he saw folks looking at him, he dropped the suitcases and took off. I hate him and everything he did, and I don't want to diminish the severity of any of this. He comes across to me like someone wrote a really elaborately bad supervillain. Well, I suppose in a sense, he did, because this is the fantasy he's chosen for himself. I'm picturing like a tiny little guy. He's running around two giant suitcases. Everyone's watching him. And then he just drops them and runs off. Like, you can't tell me that isn't some kind of Looney Tunes bullshit. Looney Tunes is absolutely the word for it. Amongst all of the people that had seen this, a couple saw it and thought something was very obviously suspicious about what Issei was doing. Once he was gone, they approached the suitcase. To their horror, they saw Renee's remaining hand. They called the police and they arrived quickly and opened the suitcases. 
Once they discovered what was inside, they realized this was going to be unlike any other murder they had ever investigated. Before we get into the investigation, you're probably wondering where Issei went after all of this. He just went back to his apartment and continued to eat pieces of Renee day after day while he waited for them to arrive. Two days after the incident in the park, police arrived at his apartment. He greeted them warmly as they presented him with a search warrant. They had spoken to people who knew Renee, and his name had come up multiple times. They began to search his apartment and made their way to his fridge. In it, they found the remaining flesh he had set aside along with her lips. Issei confessed to what he did with barely any prompting and told them, quote-unquote, I have a mental illness. You're too rights you do, buddy. Jesus Christ, those poor police officers. Seriously, like, I mean, this is just, you don't expect to see that. No, they probably walked in thinking like, oh, we're going to check out this nerd. He's probably got nothing going on. And then this, oh my God. He told them everything he did in great detail. And by doing this, he was able to not only convince the police that he was absolutely insane, the judge also deemed him not competent enough to stand trial. So he was sentenced to simply just spend an indefinite amount of time in an asylum. Something else that he tried to convince them of was that he hadn't intended to kill her. Did he want to eat her? Yes, absolutely. But not kill her. About this, he said, What I truly wished was to eat her living flesh. Nobody believes me, but my ultimate intention was to eat her, not necessarily kill her. The frustrating part here is that I absolutely do think he's insane. This is... 1,000% unhinged. You are not a human being anymore. Animals don't even do this to one another. But at the same time, it was also incredibly premeditated. Exactly. And one thing I want to add is to top all of that off, he said to them he wanted her to eat her own flesh as well. What kind of twisted ideal of like... I don't know, love, lust? I do not have enough psychiatry knowledge to deal with this kind of fucked up. His brain is functioning on pure fantasy at this point. Yeah, he's living a full delusion, for sure. This is someone that, in my opinion, should not have been allowed to exist. Like, I'm not for the death penalty, but if it does exist, it's for someone like this. And guess what? It is all going to get so much worse from here. Enter Akira Sagawa. That's right, dear listeners. Daddy's back. Remember him? Akira worked out a deal to have Issei sent back to Japan to serve out his sentence at the Matsuzawa Psychiatric Hospital. The guy that ran this place seems to be one of the only reasonable people in this story. He met with Issei and immediately saw that this was a very evil but sane man and that he belonged in prison for life. But that isn't what would end up happening. He spent 15 months in the asylum before his father was able to have him released. This was in August of 1985. Just five years after the murder, Issei was a free man. Not only that, he was also granted a passport to Germany so that he could do some traveling. 
The family of René Hardevelt attempted to fight him every step towards his release. However, it was a losing battle. Can you imagine? No, I honestly can't. Because (sighs) if, you know, if my sister was in this position, let me tell you, I would have found a way to end Issei's life myself. No doubt about it. To see him walk away and to be granted a passport so he can travel... Right. What is going on? It just, none of this should have happened. Like this entire story, the audacity here is just ridiculous. And there is zero justice, in my opinion, for this poor woman. And once I'm going to say it again, because it's just going to keep getting worse. It's about to get worse. It's times like this faced with so much evil that it makes me hope that there is some kind of hell in the afterlife and that he's there now because there was certainly no justice while he was alive on this planet. Absolutely none. Oh, man. If your blood hasn't already boiled out of your body with anger like mine has, well, then it is about to. This case is obviously just horrifying, but what he did after he was freed is what makes it so much worse for me because... We're really going to see his absolute lack of remorse for his actions now. It's also the almost like positive reaction that so many people had towards him is just shocking to me. Well, he basically spent every moment until the day he died just reveling in what he did. He gave countless interviews and appeared on TV on several occasions. He also wrote four novels and appeared in several softcore pornographic films where he pretended to eat naked women. Can I say there's a special place in hell for anybody that was involved in those pieces of media? What is wrong with you? How could you give up your dignity like that? Jesus Christ. Not only that, he also published a manga that contained a very detailed description of his crimes. The art in it is absolutely horrifying. It's disgusting. I've also seen it. Do not recommend. It was also something I stumbled across by accident. And uh, yeah, my eyeballs did not consent to see that. Same. He would happily say that people loved the idea of getting close to someone they knew had eaten human flesh. Even the Rolling Stones released a song about what he did. They called it Too Much Blood. And there's more. Because this shit roller coaster really does just keep going doesn't it because Mm -hmm. he had such a great life after all of this in one interview he said the public has made me the godfather of cannibalism and i am happy about that in interviews he would talk about his crime as if it were the most normal thing in the world so normal that he was open about the fact that he desperately wanted to do it again about this he said The desire to eat people becomes so intense around June when women start wearing less and showing more skin. Just today, I saw a girl with a really nice derriere on my way to the train station. When I see things like that, I think about wanting to eat someone again before I die. He also said, What I'm saying is, I can't bear the thought of leaving this life without ever tasting that derriere that I saw this morning or her thighs. I want to eat them again while I'm alive so that I can at least be satisfied when I die. 
how can you say this these things in public in a recorded fashion and not have like a police escort on you 24 7 365 there needs to be a man following this guy around with a fucking giant net 100 percent, and a taser for that matter yeah. Like, Geg, why was he on the streets for so he, long? He's literally telling you on camera that he wants to and would intend to do this again. Ah, this is so incredibly frustrating. And you can't even say like, oh, he's just joking. That's just his sick, twisted sense of humor. He's done it before. He's gonna do it again. Yes, and even before he'd done it, before he admitted that that's all he thought about. And he's still thinking about it. Like... Guys, I'm a big believer that when someone shows you who they really are, you believe them. Like, why? Oh, I, I'm going to ask why until the day I die, I swear to God. I don't know. This whole case is just infuriating. It, I hate it. Before his death, he ran a website where he, again, shared detailed accounts of his crime. He would also share posts where he would try to convince the reader that cannibalism wasn't all that bad. Issei Sagawa lived out his final years confined to a wheelchair after he suffered a stroke. His brother took care of him until his death on November 24th, 2022, at the age of 73. There's an interview with his brother where his brother looks at him and he's like, Would you eat me, your dear brother? And Issei just like stares away and doesn't say anything. And I'm just like, no one should trust this man. His brother is very gracious to look after him in his old age because, let me tell you, I would not look after any of my family members that did this shit. No, I feel like there's a point where you can cut him off, okay? Yes, and they should have cut him off a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Blood pressure's up, I'm sure, everybody, but that brings us to the end of the tale of Issei Sagawa, the Kobe cannibal. Or as he probably preferred, the celebrity cannibal. And Charlotte, I'm almost afraid to ask. <laughs> how you feeling? Uh, I mean, I think it's fairly obvious. Uh, for someone, I mean, they're all incomparable, right? They're all fucking evil people. But he really takes the cake. And like I said, he just... The unspeakable shit that he did to another human being, he, in my opinion, lost his right to be amongst the human race and should have been taken off the planet long before he got the chance to die of old age. I couldn't agree more. This whole case is, again, it's going to be a while before we cover anything close to as gruesome as this one was. Yeah, I truly hope that because Renee did not get the justice she deserved in this life, I hope she gets it in the next if there is one, because there has to be something out there for that. A lot of the time when we talk about these terrible people, at least we kind of get to finish it all with a little bit of closure with some justice or at least something bad happened to them. But he just gave his interviews in his smug little turtleneck till the day he died and just had a grand old time. He really did. And like you said before, I think now is the time where we're going to sit down, play some Stardew Valley, make another cup of tea, maybe smoke a joint because this is fucking hard. And it'll be a while before you're going to want to touch a topic like this again, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think we all feel the same way. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad we went on this journey together for what it's worth. 
Yeah, I am too. Um, I find this stuff incredibly fascinating as frustrating as it is. And I think it is important to talk about people like this because they really prove that evil does exist out there. And the other thing with it too is I never want to hear something like this happen again. No, you hope that that's a fucking one and done, that's for sure. Exactly. Okie dokie. So, all that being said, do we really have anything to go over at the moment? No, we're good. We're good. I feel like after you listen to this, go pet your dog or something. Um, Like we said, play a video game that melts your brain a little bit. Think about anything. Maybe, like, don't eat meat for a, a day. I don't know. I mean, this episode would certainly put you off it, at least for a little while, I think. It would. All right, everyone, it's time to get to that wonderful time where we thank our beautiful, lovely, grim VIPs and up. Thank you so much to Mayhem Mudkip, Kevin, Judy, Hillary, Brian, Atlantean Jedi, Lisa, and Bob. You guys are amazing. You really are true homies, and we appreciate the heck out of you. Aw, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been The The Grim Grim Curriculum. Curriculum. Hey, Charlotte, I've got a fun fact for you today. I'm not even, I'm not going to tell you anything gross or anything gruesome. Oh, thank goodness. Lay it on me. I'm going to, I'm going to fuck with your head though. (laughs) You have no way of really knowing if anyone at all experiences reality and consciousness the same way you do. It's a thought I have all the frickin' time. None of this could be real. I mean, if you've seen The Matrix, it is an option. Bye. Bye. Bye.